Hello and welcome to today's episode of Wolves Fancast. Rich Hobbs here joining me after the magnificent win against Fulham. We've got Stu. Hello. We've got Matt. Howdy. And we've got Jordan. Evening all. So we're going to be coming with the following game. Um, as I sort of joked at the start, uh, it was a bit of a drab encounter for the most part, apart from two well, key incidents right at the end of each half. And we'll also preview the Sheffield United game as well in brief before our um, show over on YouTube. And that'll be getting released um, on iTunes as well. We'll go right into uh, the game and sort of, I guess, pull it back to seven o'clock when the team news was announced. Um Given the calamitous display, um, particularly in the first half against West Ham and the fairly obvious uh, failings of the formation and the players in the formation um, against West Ham, um, I'll go to Stu first. Were you surprised to see it being exactly the same lineup um, against Fulham? I wasn't surprised because nothing surprises me anymore with him. But I, I did tweet out insanity. And that's what it seemed. It didn't work against West Ham, who are in fairly better side. So why would it necessarily work against Fulham? Yeah, they're terrible. But still, it's a defensive calamity waiting to happen. We don't score anyway. So I would just prefer this to be more solid. And it, it was only changed because of what happened. It wasn't through choice. So, yeah, I, I wasn't exactly uh, ecstatic, to say the least. Yeah, George, were you similar then? Um, I've been the uh, the beacon of four two three one for a long, long time now. Um, I, I just think it's the right system moving forward. We just definitely haven't got the right players to play it at the moment. Um, so with us only probably needing a point out of the game, I wasn't that surprised. I wasn't that surprised that he kept to the four simply because. I think it's come to light now pretty much that it's obvious that he doesn't trust Max Kilburn at all. Whether you rate him or not, he doesn't fancy him, Nuno. Uh, so he was always going to play Cody and size for me. And um, I've been screaming that we need to try and get Adama, Pudence and Neto on the pitch at the same time as much as possible. But again, whether it's system or players, they haven't created anything between them tonight, really. Barring, you know, we'll get on to the second half and we'll get uh, we'll get into the, the trial ray winner at the end. But I thought Pedence was non-existent and Neto as well. I know he, he obviously had a knock, but again, I, I thought he was really quiet as well. Yeah, I think um, Neto was an interesting one for me. And, you know, it was obviously a shame to see him uh, golf injured. Don't know kind of what extent it... Um, you know how bad it was, but he seems to have sort of dropped off a bit in form, which is completely expected for such a young player who's kind of had to carry the team for good amounts of the season. But uh, Matt, uh, was it almost a bit of a? I don't want to say blessing in disguise, but it kind of worked out a bit in Wolves' favour in terms of allowing Wolves to go to a free at the back, and it almost felt as soon as we went to that tried and tested. Then Donker looked a bit more stable there. Everyone just seemed to know what they're doing a bit more. Mm, there's definitely an element of stability there, but with stability also comes the you know the drying up of chances that we that we create. I mean, it was very very late on in the game when the when the footage showed that we'd only had four attempts and zero which on target. It feels like we very much have a system for defending, 
we don't seem to have a system for attacking. It feels yeah. it feels like we're very, very organised. We know what we're doing in defence with, with three slash five at the back. There is an element, though, and it depends how wet your pants are, I suppose, about the position that we were in prior to the table with the points that we were on, that actually it was very clear that we were playing not to lose that game. Um, we weren't necessarily playing to win it and going to three slash five at the back allows us to do that a lot more comfortably because we're, we're a lot more assured there. It just means that, as I've said numerous times, we're creatively stifled. Um, I think, though, with how Fulham pressed throughout the game, it was probably was a blessing, really, because as the game went on, they, you know, they came into it in a more attacking sense. Yeah, I think um, it felt like definitely that first 10, 15 minutes, um, Wolves either weren't quite of the races or Fulham very much were. And I, I, I was having flashbacks to Monday night and thought, this can't be happening again. And they seemed to sort of find their foot in a bit more and grow into the game and start, started to move things a bit more forward. And, you know, right on the stroke of half time, um, you know, great little bit of interplay. Um, Podence kind of slips through, clips in a delicious cross and a fantastic header by William Jose, who I can't even remember last time I saw him in that kind of position to um, sort of nod the ball into the back of the net. And, you know, I think we all kind of went off clapping and got, you know, carried on with life and thought, oh, hang on. Well, this changes things going into half time. And then VAR happened. Um, uh, look, we could we could talk about VAR all day. Um, Stu is our resident VAR expert and uh, chief uh, propaganda Apologies. officer um on it but how frustrated were you guys when you saw but i guess a how fine it was and b almost what part of the body it you know i think it was you know halfway up his bicep that got classed as being the thing that was offside um uh, jordan i can see you sort of uh uh-huh. you you you're you're waiting restlessly restlessly the the, the 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 problem is for the visual Stu's sitting there waiting just to pander kibosh anything i say as well um That's so for me with it and again we know it's not var itself var in principle is the right thing to do i think for the game to get rid of clear and obvious errors um ifab of completely out of touch with the game of football, that their rules are just absolutely absurd. For me, um, me, me and Luke spoke about this on uh, the Instagram live show as well, and uh, referenced it with a few follow, like few people watching as well. Like for me, if it takes over a minute, and again, I don't know what the right or wrong is, and we could probably speak about VAR for three hours. For me, it's two fact, it's twofold. I think if something takes over a minute to come up with the, with a decision where you can't work out definitively either one way or the other surely there has to be some sort of human you just go with the on-field call and where I think this works well in terms of where you're looking at um, cricket whether you're a fan of it or not um, cricket have a system DRS um, and it has to be within so many millimetres or so many centimetres of a decision for it to stay with the on-field on post call or for a decision to be overturned so for me, I don't understand why when we're looking at offside, and again, I understand the fact of then you'll say, well, 
how far's if you're offside, you're offside. I get that it, you know you can be definitively offside, but do you just go to a system where you have whatever that parameter is? I don't know, fifty millimeters, five hundred millimeters. I don't know whether it needs to be daylight. Surely there has to be that element of human error, or not even human error, just human call, and you stick with the on-field call because over a season. I truly believe that you'll win some and you will lose some. You'll get the rough end of some deals and you'll you'll win a few decisions the other way. And for me, what sort of really gets my back up about VR in general, before I pass over to Stuart and everyone else on here, is that, you know, and this goes for Wolves fans, this goes for any football fan. Like people scream about outrage about VAR, how it's ruining the game, or at least how I have ruining the rules of the game when it comes to VAR. And people, when it goes against them, want to throw the toys out of the prom, scream, shout about it. But on the flip of that, where we've been, you know, Wolves, we've had some contentious decisions go our way since VAR's come in, no doubt about it. It has to have the same energy both ways for me because it's not okay to say, oh, VAR's good when you get the, the good end of the stick with it. Like, it needs to change for the good of football. IFAB, the rulings, they've got to come to some sort of conclusion where if you're going to have VAR, you've got to make the rules clearer because it's just, for me, that today, Pedence has not got any sort of an advantage from where he was, where he's been given offside for. People telling me his elbow's offside. You can't score with your elbow. Like, genuinely, you can't score with your elbow. So what advantage is he getting? Um, so, yeah, like for me, VAR, in principle, great. IFAB can suck my dick. Well... Go on, Stu. I was waiting for Matt. It's pointless talking about it because it's the same for everyone. Yeah, everyone, the, the system's shit. We all know it's shit, but it's the same shit system for everyone. And if you say 50, 50 centimetres, 50 millimetres, what happens when it gets to 51? You're always, regardless of how far, how much daylight and whatever you say, you're always going to get finite calls because they're looking for science. And unfortunately, that's the route we've gone down now. Yeah, I so, do get that, Stu, but shouldn't, you, shouldn't there still be with, just for, in my opinion, just with how it is in, like, say, in cricket, American football, it's very similar, where sometimes you just stick with the on-field call because it's not that, it's not clear and obvious. So surely, isn't there a, isn't there a way or a system where you just go, well, it's taken so long, it's taken, you know, so many angles, and again, I know that um, Cleaner, I think, wants to bring in a new system, doesn't he? Hmm. That's it's, in the Champions League, which would work. But if you're going to completely compute a robotic, if you're 0.1 millimetre offside, you might as well not have officials. You might as well have someone just refereeing in the game from Stockley Park. Well, from the they'll do it in the World Cup in, next year, and then the season after that, it'll be brought in worldwide, the automated system. So we've got we've only got another season maybe of this nonsense anyway so there's it this is why they wanted to talk about it because we can talk about common sense and all this bollocks but we know what they're going to do so it's the my point of not getting wound up about it anymore because why you you we ain't going to change anything getting all wound up about it we know how shitty it is the whole thing's terrible how it's been rolled out it worked in the World Cup, the first World Cup when everyone was oh yeah it's it's all chaos the handball rule was nonsense and they fixed that but we know that this is going to be the same next season because they've already said so. So I'll just, as soon as, as, soon as that he even hinted, in dark hinted, he said, 
others hint there offside. Well, there you go then, straight away. From that first replay from beyond, from when they showed it on the side, I thought, well, that's offside then, straight away. Because <laughs> you know how ridiculous it is. It's, I mean, when Wenger came up with his, um, his mental idea of changing it to the other way around, I thought the same thing was, well, what's the point? Because you're still talking about millimetres. But actually, I've kind of come around to that now because it's, it's more in the spirit of the game. If it looks offside, it looks offside. So if people want to go goals that look offside all the time, then fine. But you still gonna be, it's still going to be millimetres. It's that as soon as the, as soon as the ball's it in, it was never going to be the same again. And it, that's the, the problem is now until the automated system comes in, and then it's the system saying what's offside or not. So whoever pro, even it's going to be even fairer for everyone else then. But until that point comes in, we're screwed for another year, basically. What does say, Matt? Matt, for you, um, I guess for me, I was trying to work out what the reasons why. And I found this one particularly great. In it might be because Wolves aren't scoring much at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, for, I think it's the body position. Um, and and you know what part was classed offside? Say it was the elbow. I think if it was his foot, was that you know, well, quite literally a foot over, um, over the offside line. I I could have sort of got it, but I think because it's almost off the ground and mm. it, it, it it's a part of what it's as George said he ain't gonna score with it what what's the advantage and, you know we, we'll talk ourselves around in circles but yeah um, I mean this I know, you know this there's an I'm and I'm from the other side thinking about well why why could there be an advantage I don't know because he's his elbows out he can propel himself further when he mm. brings his arm back and there's you know half a nanosecond in that and blah 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 I think as it was alluded to many times, it's 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 desensitising football too much. That's the issue, man. I don't, you know, if the the rules are the rules and the implementation of the rules, that's fine, whatever. But the taking the raw emotion out of the game is the thing for me. Do you know what I mean? Like we don't watch we don't watch football and we don't enjoy football because we we're, we're forced at gunpoint to do so. Although watching some of our performances this season, you think it would be. Um, you watch it because of a love for it and. This isn't it with this like desensitized way of not being able to celebrate goals. As soon as, like Stu said, as soon as they hinted there might be an offside, you think, oh, fuck, oh well, here we go. We know what's going to happen now. Move on. It's just, it's a sad state of affair that we're in. That is, it's harming, harming the enjoyment of the game, and that's and that's all it is really. Um, and this uh, Pandora's box is open now. You can't close that. You can't close that. It's, we, we're stuck with it for the worst. I mean, Blake, Blake made a good point when he texted me earlier about this about. It wouldn't matter so much if it wasn't 100% if it was straight away, like it used to be, like when you used to just look over at the Lions' flag, and if it was up, yeah. then you knew you couldn't celebrate. Mm-hmm. Two years' time, that's what we're getting. So is does that then stop the arguing? Because then that part of it all is gone. Because then if, if you're using robots and Hawkeye based on fucking skeletons, which is exactly what this automated system is... Um, it's basically 3D overlaid skeletons on human bodies tracked by motion cameras with an automatic receiver on the linesman's arm, which is then going to flag. So if we go back to that, then it's, it's almost like a robotic version of what we, we've always had. Then we know it's offside straight away. 
So does that then stop all the moaning, even though when they go to the replay and it's sort of just one millimetre out? I think it does, chiefly because I think stress is caused by uncertainty. Yeah. And, you know, it's the same with, um, you know, when they... We, we will move on in a second, but actually I think it's quite interesting what you've said. Um, it, similar for when they have sort of brought in goal line technology. And it, it, I guess the principle is the same that, you know, you have to be X amount over the line and things like that. And there's been a few incredibly close ones um, in the last few years, but everyone just accepts that, you know, what that ball is, you know, free, you know, three lengths of grass over the line or not past the line. But it's because it's done so quickly. You go, nope, well, it must be right because the computer said it's right. Unless and you, <laughs> you, know, you, you go, we'll all praise our cybotic overlords. Um, but look, we had our moan at half time about it. We've had our moan now about it. I think Wolves coming back into the second half, to be honest, I felt Wolves were the only team who were really going to create something and go on to win the game. Um, not necessarily because we created a lot of chances, um, but mostly the fact that we start to control the game a bit more and you saw uh, Nevers getting on the ball more, uh, just sort of driving forward. And although, you know, the, the game didn't have a lot of quality, um, and I think it kind of showed why Fulham are, you know, scrapping relegation and why we're in the position we're in. Um, of uh, it, it, this game felt at about sixty minutes. It was destined to finish nil nil. Um, th- does anyone sort of disagree with that? I think Fulham, Fulham just, I think the the just the idea that we could score against them kind of fucked them up because it's exactly what happened to him against Villa. Yeah, um, Villa scored against them. The heads dropped, and that's why it seemed at the second half, like you said, we came out not stronger, but with ball pos- ball confidence. retentions. Yeah. yeah. Um, and being in the system that we know <laughs> always helps. Um, but yeah, it was it was like one of them a proper like Stoke at home nil nil in the championship kind of game where it, and it was I couldn't see anything more other than a nil nil to be honest. I mean they would look they look so awful going forward. I mean it it, it makes us look like Barcelona. <laughs> They're just they've got nothing and I, I can't see them staying up now to be honest really, but it's kind of worked in our favour that there is three teams shitter than us, and we've got away. We got away with it today. Um, oh, but... yeah. I don't know about. I think getting away with it's a little harsh, and only in that I expected before the game. How many times have we seen Cody absolutely manhandled by a Mitrovic or a Giroud or a Kane or someone like that? That tall brick shit house striker. And I really expected, I was disappointed in Mitrovic today. If anything, not that I wanted him to score, but I, you expect him to be a bit more of an attacking threat. Um, I just think that I, I see it from the flip side. I, I didn't think that we came out in the second half any better than the first. I thought that if there's one team that was going to score, it looked like it was going to be Fulham because we were creating we were creating nothing, really. I very much felt like the, the, the message at half-time was, this is yours to, this is yours to draw. <laughs> Basically, <laughs> do not lose this game. If you lose this game, we're in trouble. If you draw this game we're okay and that's how it felt very much for me and that's again the issue with the the, the three at the back is that you've we, we're a lot more secure we're we plug that leaky defense but we look very very toothless um save for 
a real like I think we'll probably due to the, the nature of the goal gloss over the fact that how good Silver's pass was to set it up. But save him a little bit of magic, you know, that very much was destined for, for zero goals. Yeah, um, but there was a point, I think, when we had a free kick on the edge of the box. And it, it is arguably, I, I love the guy. Um, one of my favourite things is Roman Sace's sheer confidence when he's uh, <laughs> a, a set-piece delivery. You can't prove Nevis, who is a exceptionally good set-piece taker on his day. It seems to thrive in high-pressure scenarios. As soon as I saw Sace cover his mouth and go, I guess I should have a go. You've not scored one recently. I thought, he's going to want to do it. And it was a shame he didn't go in. But, yeah, um, it it did have nil-nil written all over it and going into sort of the last couple of minutes. But it almost felt a little bit out of nowhere. But... A Dharma, a, a great a, two things for me. A the advantage played by John Moss. Um, you know, we, we can happily slate officials, um, as we've spent five minutes already doing, but uh, you know what, pra- praise them when they get it right. Um, and also the work by Fabio for a goal as well. Um, you know, arguably, I think you should have started. Um, and hopefully you will do against Sheffield United. Um, but what I on first view, and I thought that was an amazing finish by Adama. Yeah. Chiefly because he put his boot through. You know, look, we saw on Monday night, Silver in a similar-ish position in, on the pitch with a precise, accurate bottom corner. Sometimes you just need to kick the fuck out a ball <laughs> and just make sure it's on target because you don't know what's going to happen. Adama isn't good enough at finishing to accurately place a ball. <laughs> but you know what? If he can hit it between the, you know, the, the white sticks, I'll take that. Then I saw the replay and I could see Stu chuckling. Um, come on. <laughs> it's, it's like when you leave, it was that um, meme of the uh, the chocolate rabbit melted in the car. Or it, that's what happened to his hands. I mean, I... I he had a decent game. He didn't spill anything at all. I mean, he had a couple of headers straight at him, which is not part of the course, really, but it was it was straight at him. I don't know what he's doing. See, I played no, five... no idea what he's doing there. See, I played five aside on Thursday night, and as you'll get to, we all got a turning goal, but I didn't have gloves. Um, <laughs> and, said, and it reminded me of that, because I don't know what it is, but whenever I have to go and goal, which isn't often, I'm five foot, seven um i'm all right at being in goal i don't mind it if i've got gloves on if i don't have them i i instantly curl up i don't know what it is and it felt like the goalie did the same when you just need him to be big and strong and just beat it out because there's no wolves there's no you know wolves play within like you know 20 30 yards it's uh, i said on my um reaction video we, we got i mean really dropped one at the near post um, against West Ham, which it eventually cost us a point. Ariola's dropped one today. We got three, so it's <laughs> the old swings and roundabouts thing. But yeah, again, you you got to say, I mean, Traore had one in the first half, which kind of limped wide with his left foot, and he's leathered this one and it's cunning. So fair play. So he can ask for. It's mm. definitely something he needs to add to his game because um, he's. 
he he's such an inconsistent player, um, particularly with his shooting and you know, especially we've we've talked about with her missing Jota, but if he was able to you know consistently hit double figures um, for for Wolves in goals and or assists, he, he we'd be such a different team for me. Um, what do you think, George? It's, the, it's just the enigma, all that problem of Troy Ray throughout his whole career, isn't it? Everyone expects him to do more, be better. He's, you know, his output should be better. And um, last season, I thought we saw the maturing of Adama Troy Ray, or at least I thought that was the case where goals and assists came into his game and uh, he looked like he was becoming a more consistent player, turning up one every three rather than one every eight. And I thought that we had a serious, you know, people talked about £80 million last year for a player. And, you know, the market rate is inflated, of course, but, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't say it wasn't worth £80 million on the basis of last season alone. You look at this season, you flip it. Um, you know, again, it's something that come up on Instagram Live uh, on the show after the game. Like, what's his value now? True value right now this season? What, 20? 30? You know what I mean? Like, I mean, what? Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, what? What? You know, where would where? What would the selling point be? Where Wolves think you know what we've got a good deal on our hands here. If someone if someone did come in for him, and um, yeah, it's that <clears throat> again. Like tonight, I don't think he played particularly well. Again, mm. um, for, you know, lost the ball a few times. And again, I'm a, I'm a big trial Ray fan. Before this seems like I'm, I'm slating him. I'm not. Um, he didn't have a very good game for me, but then it's exactly what and what frustrates any Wolves fan or even any Adama Troy or a fan or anyone who watched him where it was the first time I've actually seen him play on the shoulder of a defender all season, I think. And Fabio's put, played a great ball to him, put it in the channel and he's never going to lose that race to the ball. And, you know, he's, he's thumped it home. Ariola should have saved it, yeah, but that's what frustrates me. Like Troy Allray's got that in his locker. He can run 100 meters in probably 10 seconds flat. Like he should be playing on the shoulder a lot more, and he'd get though he'd get he'd get four or five chances a game because all you have to do is put it into a channel, and he would he'd be through on goal. So I want to see more of that, and I think that that's sort of his strength, really. Like that should be an asset to him. But when when can you ever say that he often plays on the shoulder and, and gambles on on a ball? He doesn't. He likes it to feet, and he likes to dribble with it and control the ball. And um, that was the refreshing thing for me was a Fabio's pass, a turn and pass. I thought was well, just class, to be honest with you. And Troyore with the assets he's got, that's what I want him to be doing every week. Play on this last man, get through on goal, and just thump it home. Like he, he, he could quite easily score 15, 20 goals a season doing that. No doubt about it. Yeah, I think a lot of it is tactics-based and having that belief and confidence in yourself. You know, it, what you said, it reminds me of Matt Doherty in a way, that he just would gamble and he'd follow mm. his run. And you know what? He'd get caught out two or three times a season. But particularly, you know, last couple of minutes of games, I'm sure it was a Newcastle game not been last season or year before where like you know just kept running up the pitch and was like you know what this might come to me and lo and behold he managed to find himself eight yards out and took it in and it's like Troyore is blessed with a god-given gift to run really fucking quick um and 
I say, like, if he was just able to, like, t- instead of focusing on, I need the ball to feet and I can take him on, just play off the ball, hit the space. You've got the likes of Ruben Nevers who can pick you out. Believe in them, believe in yourself, and you'll be a even better player because you won't be necessarily relying on having to beat three players a game. But uh, look, it was fantastic. Was it his first goal in the league this season? Did yeah. I work yeah. out? You know, like it's yeah, we're in April, fuck's sake. Um, I've realized I've sworn twice in about four sentences. Very unlike me. Sorry, guys. Um, Reach out to dark. I was going to say, I've had one side of this evening, guys. Oof. Um, anyway, um, before we wrap up our um, Fulham chat, Matt, anyone else standing out for you today? Uh, it wasn't really a game of people really standing out. No, um, it wasn't. I mean, I, you know, we, we you mentioned him in, in passing. Neves um, seemed, he seemed a lot more assured now, or in this game. And he did seem that five, ten yards slightly further up the pitch, which I think purely from an excitement point of view, we all want to see, because we all want to see that Derby goal every game. So we want to see him <laughs> further up the pitch every game to to try for the spectacular. I thought he was solid enough today. He, you know, he sprayed the ball about as we expect, but he was, you know, he kept busy on the pitch. Um, the d- Defending wise, we were pretty unspectacular. And, and I mean that as a compliment, because we didn't do anything worldly calamitous to cause us to panic too much. <laughs> You know, there was a, there was a couple of times when Samedo absolutely, you know, we we look forward to his attacking prowess, but defensively he got ahead of his man, ahead of the ball, and he and he and he used his strength, which isn't uh, something that we would probably put in or an adjective we'd use for Samedo. His strength is like physical strength. I thought I thought he played fine. Um, again, listen. No one's going to be making a DVD of this, and the only person that would buy it would be Stu if it was on a 3D <laughs> Blu-ray, and that's only because he wants to see it out of his new bit of technology, and that's you know what I mean. Not exactly one for the, uh, not exactly one for the historians. This one, no, indeed, indeed. Well, we'll be back um, right after a break to talk uh, Sheffield United and go through some questions from Twitter corner. See you in a second. Hi, Richard here. Before you go back to hearing us dissect the latest Wolves news, some really shoehorn Simpsons references, a bit of 90s film action, of course, a bit of wrestling, um, I just want to do a quick shout out for our sponsors, Pixel Yeti Media. Now, they've done a fantastic job on the Wolves Fancast website, Wolves Fancast, please go check it out. But they're not just web designers, they're a creative agency that cover all your design needs from websites, brochures and signage to marketing, logo design and branding. There's basically nothing they can't do marketing-wise, so make sure you check them out at pixelyetimedia.com and I'll let you get back to enjoying the show. Welcome back. So, uh, as we said uh, just before with Blake, uh, Wolves' next game is against Sheffield United. Um, I, mean, I, I almost feel a little bit sorry for them um, at this point just because they have been so... I was going to say so poor. They've not been like Derby County poor in the sense that they look hilariously bad. <laughs> do, do you know what I mean, Stu? They're, they're just... They're hard to describe because they are so shit. And you look at the points that they've got and it's pretty awful. And it's going to be 
they're going to be up there as one of the top five worst teams ever yeah. in Premier League history. But they're playing nice football. They just don't score and they concede the odd goal, which they lose the game, which seems to be the kind of theme of their season. And it's almost like they, um, they when they got promoted, that kind of the tidal wave kind of kept them up in the top half of the table. And then when we just when when restart happened and there was no fans to carry them over the line, they just died to death. And then coming into this season, they had no, they had nothing. So. I mean, maybe they've been, maybe the fans not been there hurt them more than anyone else. Um, but it's, <laughs> they're just not good enough, are they? I mean, they've got shit players all over the pitch. I mean, we can talk about certain Scottish ones who you, you, you think you might think of signing, but that's just mental talk. So anything but an absolute ham. I mean, there's no, that's the thing now. We can, we're safe. We're not going down. There's no reason to not have a go. Handbrake off time. Enjoy yourself, Enjoy ourselves with us. However many games left, not to sit there in fear. <laughs> so, George, for you, um, danger men for Sheffield United. <sighs> on Fleck. I was going to say, we can't be looking <laughs> past, uh, you know. The, the, got the wrong the, person on this podcast the, to talk about Sheffield United. I was going to say, we, we did not plan this running order, but they do have the uh, Scottish Iniesta in John Fleck. Um, <laughs> I, I, I do feel a bit sorry for him because I have had a few injuries, particularly in, in defence, but... But they argue, and I'm going to curse us now because we know what wolves are like, and we all and it, we we've all kind of seen us play against you know teams in relegation zones and lose. But you know they they arguably have the worst goalkeeper in the league um, in Aaron Ramsdale. <laughs> um, you know I don't think much of their forward line at all, and you know they've still got Jack Rodwell on the books uh, for Christ's sake. This really should be a a home run for Wolves. But as Stu kind of alluded to, we should have a bit of freedom about us. Um, Do you think we'll go with the same formation? Do you think Silver um, will or, well, should start? I think you've sort of answered your, sort of the question there, when the the sort of, the the operative word being should be off. (laughs) (laughs) Handbrake should be off, yeah. It should be. Will it be? I'm not sure. Um, the reality is, I mean, let look. We've we've won the game tonight, and uh, that winning breeds confidence. But for me, we look like a team with no confidence. If we'd have come out of that game nil nil, I was seeing a lot of comments on social media. Again, like mo- most of them are seeing about Nuno out and all this sort of stuff, which again I completely don't agree with. Um, yeah, Sheffield United should be a game where look at it. We should be picking up three points, but. Just how our season's gone, how we've been playing. Like, if it's Sheffield United or Man City, I'd have the sort of similar level of confidence. Not the fact of this is me being all doom and gloom, but I haven't seen anything tonight, or I haven't seen anything in the previous six games beforehand to make me think that Wolves are going to turn up and and win a game of football. It's like the first time ever on on the fancast. I think this is my third season. Uh, second, third, well, whatever, however long it is, it's been a while now. Um, that I've, I predicted Wolves to lose pre-match. I was like Mark Lawrenson of the BBC Sport, like winning thirty-five games a season, drawing three, and I just had no confidence in this tonight, and it's a horrible feeling. But reality is, yeah, we've got no pressure. We should we should be playing Sheffield United, and we should be playing them off the park. I mean, Neves has got his handful versus John Fleck. We know that, but that should allow a bit of space then for Matinho to go after Ollie Norwood. You'd think so. 
yeah, maybe we can exploit that channel. And uh, yeah, we should pick up three points. Yeah, I mean, Matt, uh, when you sort of take into account Fulham as well, which we've won, we've got Sheffield United, Burnley, West Brom and Brighton um, as our sort of next handful of games. (sighs) I wouldn't quite say make or break, but is this a a really good opportunity for Wolves to string a couple of victories against the lower calibre sides in the division? I. I see this as an opportunity to have an extended pre-season now, yeah. at this point now, because Same. we're safe. We're safe now. Um, if you want, and it, you know, you can train, you can play four at the back in training games from, from dawn till dusk, and it will never be as good or as effective as game match time. So if that's how he wants to play it next season, play it with these games now, win, lose or draw. Because if, if you're going to be, if, if that's how he's going to want to play it, then get the team playing it in a competitive environment. And it should work against Sheffield United because they're, they're awful. So, and I can't believe I'm going to say this, but I feel that, I feel that Jose should, should start. And I mean this now because one of my friend, Tom said something to me earlier today. Um, He said, actually having him starting, he is the sacrificial lamb now for protecting silver from himself. And what I mean by that is if silver doesn't score, all he gets is abuse because of his price tag. If Samado doesn't keep a clean sheet every single game, he gets a, a walloping about his price tag. When Silver's on for 30 minutes of a game, 25 minutes of a game and creates an assist, it's all it's all happy singing and dancing, as it should be. And I feel that actually, do we just allow Silver to mature as a player and get game time and then impress in the short stints that he does? And if it means that Jose isn't, He's a sacrificial lamb. Well, he's not our player. He's a lone player. We shouldn't have any sentimental feelings about the guy. He's here to earn money. We're here. You know, he's a number on the pitch for us. So I think it's mutually beneficial for the for the both of us as well. So I think we should treat the next few games as as an extended preseason. That's probably the clip, and I'll probably get slated for it and saying, "Well, why, why throw away a chance to like at least close the gap on Villa?" But We've got to think to next season because we the all filler. of us want this yeah. season to end as soon as possible. You don't, you don't get a trophy for beating Villa, though, unfortunately. You, you don't, don't no, no, you either. don't. But for, for some, you know, for some people, there is very little left to play for, isn't there? There's I mean, beating the Albion and sending them down. No, that's what I mean. That, that's another thing for me. It's like, you know, Wolves fans who say, "Oh, if we send the Albion down, it'll make the season better." <laughs> like, but it's like for me, it's like really, like they're already down now. So what matters if we put the R next to them? They're already down. And guess what? They fucking battered us at Molyneux. <laughs> they, deserve to be, they, be, they deserve to win the game at Molyneux. So, yeah, it'd be a bit of retribution, vindication as a captain Alton sound Brooklyn 9-9. But I couldn't give a shit if we put the R next to them or not. Genuinely, like I think, like you say, this is now pre-season for us. And whether we go and win the next four or not, does it matter? Is it going to define us if we come 15th or 9th? Like, I'm not, it doesn't really bother me that much. Maybe I'm being a, maybe I'm being a bit naive to think it does matter. But me as a fan, I just want this season over with now. Honestly, I couldn't give, I couldn't really give a toss. Well, we, um, Birmingham's technically sent us down in 2004. Does anyone even know that that was a thing? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, when, I, when, I, I only, not, not exactly like it's, uh, no, that's something when, when Dan was, put it, when Dan mentioned it in the thing yeah. as a quiz question. 
I had to go and look it up and figure it out because I had no idea. So we were wank. We deserve to go down. Is it a thing? Because like what? you don't relegate a team over 38 games. No, no. Like, but well, I think it's what Wolves fans are using as sort of, or again, I've seen it online, that, that it's sort of like, well, it's a bit of a saving grace. Oh, it'd be great to put the R next to West Brom. Yeah. They're about they're down now. If we were if if fans were there, TM, um, then it would be because it'd be funny. But we're not, so it doesn't matter. You ain't gonna say Albion fans any other than at work, and even then you're two meters away, so you can't even slap them around. So it's <laughs> it's a complete waste of time. But you are right, Matt. What I said that a few weeks ago. I mean, just keeping William Jose as a battering ram to get beat up every week to then take off and give Silver twenty minutes. Um it is the right thing to do. I mean, he wasn't, he isn't the problem for me. I mean, playing four at the back with, with jokers who can't play in a back four is the problem, but you probably are right. I mean, none of that back, well, Samedo and Cody probably, uh, that back four will be there next season if you're going to play a back four. So, but in the midfield, it's going to be there. Neves, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if that whole team who, who started today start against um, whoever in August, but, Realistically, half that team should be changed for next season. So, I mean, to be fair, it... we, we have said before that five or six. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't care less if they're all gone now. But um, is it beneficial to the ones who are going to be staying just to get another system ready? Maybe. But there's no point boring our way to 14th to get an extra couple of million for finishing a, an extra point of the table. But there's I'll no get... point doing that. I've genuinely gone from thinking we need four or five to refresh this team up to watching us against West Ham, or at least after that West Ham game, thinking, you know what, we probably need seven or eight. It almost feels like the whole spine of the team needs flushing out. It's yeah, it's stale again. It's stale. It needs to. It it just needs a revamp, and that isn't me saying sack the lot of them. Like this isn't me throwing my toys out the pram. Get rid of the lot. They ain't good enough. The shit. It isn't about that. It's just. It just feels like we need to gut it get a new spine in and just try and just build on it because the reality is all depends on Fosen's ambition and now for me in terms of if because the, the reality what's happened is is um we got sold or Wolves fans got sold the dream of we want to be competing with Man City in 10 years time whether that be ambitious or not that's what the, what was said by Fosen when they come in realistic or not that that was their statement since like I okay, let's just take this season alone. First signs of it not going to plan since Fosen have been in, since Nuno's been here. For me, the communication from the club down, whether that be because fans aren't in, I don't think that's a, an excuse really. They're just like a serious question is there's no communication from the top down to fans. So we don't we sit, you know, all of a sudden wolves need to sell to buy in the summer is coming out in tabloid and people are like leaking it. So I do think there's some truth in it because there's a lot, there's a more and more sources coming out about this. Well, for me, the last time we heard about it, Fosen were like the second richest owners of the football club in the UK and wanted us to get us, you know, competing in, at the top of the Premier League and into, into Europe consistently. So I, I suppose the question I'm trying to ask people is, and I'm sure no one has the answer is, like, where's Jeff Shee gone all of a sudden? Like, for me, that that's the biggest frustration with Wolves fans at the minute is we can accept coming mid-table in the Premier League if that is the realistic ambition. If we've got to be self-sufficient, fine, great. What isn't fine is if you're saying that all that ambition and that goal is we want Champions League football in 10 years' time or wherever it is, or compete at the top, 
well, we're sure as shit aren't going to get there how it's going at the minute. So you need to come out and address it. Like, you know, as a business, you've got KPIs to hit. If you don't hit your KPIs, guess what? You get sacked. And again, that's not me saying Nuno gets sacked, by the way. I know that's sounded. But we're not hitting our KPIs this season and no one's come out and addressed that. So, yeah, I think it's a massive pre-season, massive summer for Wolves. Big time. What does KPI mean? Key performance indicators. indicator. Just for normal people, just just get. Sorry, uh, I, sorry. I, I was going to say, I, was, <laughs> I, I reckon more people know the term KPI than don't. Well, mm, be my seventy-five percent of this podcast. Yeah, well, it's, I'm, I'm being the the, the the minority again as usual. As I am in this podcast quite a lot. <laughs> I mean, there's the, obviously the argument that the things have gone stale because. Certain other people in charge don't know what they're doing anymore. But just to um, just to put it out there, because it has to be mentioned. But now that something needs to change in this, and we all know that. Um, but why the reason is why can't we just enjoy ourselves now for the rest of the season? For however however much that's possible, just go and have a go. So with that in mind, uh, what's everyone's score predictions for Saturday against Sheffield United? No, no. Because we give it give it the big one. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'll go for uh, for two nil Wolves. I'm struggling, you know. It could be, and again, this is me. Like, it could be absolutely anything. Um, look, we should be winning. I do think we will win. Um, I'm going to go three one, but I'm going to make a little prediction that Sheffield United take the lead. <laughs> I'm going to go two nil, just because I, I don't feel really a a convincing two nil win, but you know, it will no doubt involve a safe header. Are we mm. the three o'clock game on Saturday as well? Yeah, yeah. we are, yeah. That's not, that is the new graveyard shift, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, great. Three o'clock. Oh, I can't. It sounds bad when I say I can't even enjoy my Saturday anymore. <laughs> I do things on a Saturday now because we never fucking play there. Um, we've had some questions for Twitter Corner uh, before we wrap up today's pod. A uh, big thanks to everyone who uh, tweeted in because um, we've had quite a lot of tweets in the last few days um for certain things so it'd be nice to get some nice fun questions uh so first one we've got is paul wharton uh who says which wolves player would win a game of hungry hippos oh that's a good one there's not really, there's not really a tactic to hungry hippos though is there mm, you, need good refle- you need good reflexes don't you because you need to know when that little what are what are they meant to be the what are they meant to eat they're meant to be a thing. Did you say good reflexes? That means John Ruddy ain't in. <laughs> I don't. Uh, <laughs> um, just they're just food, ain't it? Just generic hippo food. G- generic hippo food. I'm not sure if Maybe. there's a strategy to it. it who's, who's likely to just smashing <laughs> the? Who's likely to have podents? Podents because he's constantly like smashing the floor with his hands when it's, things don't go his way. So he's used to like beating things down to you know. He's, he, I think it's podents for me. Low center of gravity as well, so he's closer to the board than anybody else. Yeah, but when I when I used to play, I used to kind of try and gauge how many how many hippo generic hippo foods was coming my way and not hit it really hard. So maybe you need some tactical thinking. So maybe Matinho. Yeah, you I was going to go Matinho. I was going to go Matinho. He's got experience with those silky hands of his, I'm sure. That's <laughs> <laughs> so funny. Not as much as Griezmann in July. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I think, she said. <laughs> I think I'm going to go Neves again, just because he's a family man. 
I think I think he's the sort of guy who'd who'd really enjoy beating his children at No, games. I think Nevers let, I think Nevers is the kind of guy who lets his kids win. No, no, I'm saying I think he's one of them. I think he's one of these. Oh yeah, well played. You're like, nah, you've got to be brutal. Put him in the <laughs> ground. Teach him early. <laughs> but, but, um, I'm not the right person to answer this, but Gaz uh, Roberts asks, who wins uh, Reigns, uh, Brian or Edge? Uh, I would assume Brian wins it because he's going to be retiring soon. I think as a last, as a, as a last kind of thank you. Um, and then Edge can be the one who eats the pin, so Rain stays protected. Wrestling booking one hundred and one. Good to know. Good to know. I, I did something I didn't know. Now I do. Um, uh, Colin uh, Beer asks, uh, "Do we give Fabio a ten-year contract now?" I'll give him a five-year contract because he's look at he's look at the promises he's got. You know, we've said it many times that he's not ready, but. He looks a damn sight better than a lot of shit that we've had over the years. Um, and the goal he scored last week, the assist he's coming out with today. Yeah. He'll, he'll be he'll be an excellent player. Yeah. But I think it, he's a superstar, it, I do. Gen, gen, like genuine superstar. Yeah. But you are talking like two, 18 months, two years down the line, yeah. which is probably what, what, which is what he was bought for anyway. So, yeah, I'll, I, I wouldn't go for 10 years because that's a bit silly. That's Pardew-esque. Um, but five, yeah. The issue is, though, um, you know, what do you do about a problem like Rafa Mir? You know, he's banged another two in this evening. They're going to sell yeah. him, aren't they? They've got to. Well, he ain't going to play here, is he? It's like I had, um, again, I referenced it on Instagram. My my, uh, my boss at work's a season ticket holder at uh, Forest. And he said, obviously, we sent them Bonatini, mm. bollocks. Then we sent them Rafa Mir. And he just said to me, can you stop sending us your fucking outcasts or what? <laughs> and, uh, you know, and now look at, you know, Rafa Mir. The, the reality is Sevilla, Sevilla, sorry, Sevilla, Sevilla, uh, Sevilla, Inter Milan, and Real Madrid have been linked with him in the last week. Mm. So what's he worth? Like, anything I've seen of him, he, he's worth a pack of Lay's crisps on the beach. But he's obviously worth a good couple million, you know, scoring goals for fun. So fair play to him. I mean, that's it's another. I think um, Spears mentioned this in the week as well that he was bought for one and a half million, and we could easily sell him for fifteen on his goals on this season alone. But that's a perfect first in return. Mm. But at the same time, he has to be given a chance, surely. I mean, if if William Jose can have a chance, and he's been absolute wank, other than <laughs> other than for two seconds tonight, which again didn't count because he's cursed, then he's got to at least have a pre-season, surely. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I, Rafa, wouldn't Rafa, I wouldn't be a worse to have back at all. No. If you if you got a player coming off a season like that, if you if he wasn't as, we'd be linked with him already. Yeah, we would. That, 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 that's my take on it. And I think even however strong and positive um, Jimenez's um, return is looking, Surely, it sounds almost cold for me to say, but surely if you're Rafa Mir, you go. I've still, I've got a chance to really make make myself in the Premier League. Which I know he's Spanish; he's playing top flight La Liga, but that's got to be a big goal for him. Surely, mm-hmm. um, no, I don't think that's and, got. I don't think that's cold for you to say, Rich. Because I'm, I'm thinking even from a Wolves point of view, as a you know, as a Fosen or Jeff, Sh- whoever it is, from a Fosen point of view, it's cold. Of course, it is, but. We don't know what sort of player Jimenez is going to be when he comes back, and hopefully no. he comes back the player he was. And 
you know, if he had to retire from it, all the best to him as well. Like, obviously, only come back if he's fully right. But you can't be selling a player that's scoring 15, 20 goals a season in one of the top five leagues in the in in Europe when your star striker may never play again still or may not get to the levels that he was once showing. So it'd be absurd for me to sell him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, like I just said, the takeaway from the fact that he's ours. If you are, like you said, if you're looking at a striker from La Liga who scored 15 goals, well, William Jose, 20 million quid, and he, yeah. he's come in and done nothing at all. It might be the same, but then we ain't got to pay anything. So mm. if we have got to sell to buy, and we got to sell, that's one less player to buy. So I'd be more than happy with Rafa Mir, Fabio Silva, and Jimenez next season. More than happy with that. Mm. One thousand percent. Last question uh, before before we wrap up. Then, uh, uh, from uh, good friend uh, football uh, near fights um, asks, and he kind of touched on to what we sort of covered earlier um, from the Sheffield United game. But uh, with the win essentially securing safety, what risks would you like to see Nuno take in the last seven matches? So we've all kind of said, want to see a bit of a you know, bit of a preseason, a bit of a trial run. Um, what what sort of specifics? You know, Vitinha, yeah. maybe free Vitinha. You know, Vitinha. I, I, a bit of a shame for him. He didn't come on uh, for Podence. Uh, we brought on Gibbs White to give him a little bit of a um, a run out. I think Vitinha and Gibbs White almost seem to be, you know, uh, it's a one or the other sort of thing. They they you'll only ever see them get sort of twenty minutes. It feels like, um, which can't be great for either of them. Long term, if we if we're talking about risks, like, like Nate just said, then if you're talking about risky, you play Vitinho next to Neves instead of Vitinho, and and give Gibbs White his number ten slot, Completely and play. Yeah, mm-hmm. what what have we got to lose if it goes sure. shit, if it goes tits up, then fine. But if just presume that Neto's out anyway, you got Adama and Podence with. With Gibbs White in his preferred position, so no one can moan anymore, and he'll be wanking if he took off after an hour anyway. And Neves and someone other who's not almost dead from being so ancient, well, just give it a go. This is exactly what I was talking about earlier, but just having, having something to look forward to, something to enjoy. But it sounds, it doesn't even sound like a risk to me. It sounds like common sense, but he, we know he's not going to do it. I think, yeah, I think he should be doing the same as well. Completely bang on with that. I think that Vitinha, I think we are going to buy him by what, again, what you hear through you know, sources and stuff. And if he's the future, play him. Gibbs White, whether you rate him, don't rate him, like his social media, don't like his social media. The reality is, if you say to Morgan Gibbs White, right, you've got eight games, we're going to start you every game in the number 10, you're playing for your contract. If he's no good, Swansea will buy him. That that's the, we've got nothing to lose, and I think that all we can gain is that he shows his potential and promise. Because at Swansea's start of the season, he was he was probably one of the best players in the championship until he got his injury, and I know it was only a short period of time. But the reality is, Morgan Gibbs White thinks he's he's a Premier League footballer. I'm still yet to be convinced, but Nuno won't keep bringing him on or keep giving him chances if that he wasn't convinced there was a player in there either. So. Give him 90 minutes, see what happens. It, we could lose all eight games now to the end of the season. It's not going to make a difference to me, no. as long as we don't get out, obviously. <laughs> I'm not saying I want that to happen, but just let's just play people. 
like eight and a ray should play every minute of every game now, even if no, not Hal comes back. I'd, I'd even have I'd have more respect and I mean I've been pretty rough and harsh maybe, but I'd have more respect for him if he did that now. Because and just said, okay, like Matt said earlier, this is our preseason now. Oh, a bit like how um what Dave Jones did when he came in halfway through a season and used it for his, the the end of that season as a kind of like an extension an extended preseason just to try things out. Uh, rather than just playing Dendonka, Neves, Matinho and just grinding out bollocks all the time. <laughs> just just do that now. I'd kind of I'd have more a lot more respect for the guy if he just tried something there because what we've all said, we're safe. We'll see. We'll see. I think it's going to be uh, an interesting couple of weeks for Wolves in, in that regard. Now we're kind of in that wonderful um, in between place, I guess, between you know avoiding relegation, not basically just having nothing to play for. But um, we will be back um, before uh, the Sheffield United game. Our uh, fancast pre-match will be going in depth uh, for the uh, Sheffield United game. Um, make sure. Um, you check out a our YouTube channel. Uh, we're putting up loads of great content on there. Our match days, checking out our Instagram uh, for uh, before, during, and after the game, where we're kind of giving sort of on the dot analysis. This weekend, if you're bored, um, which you know weather's not looking great, uh, make sure you tune in for the Wolves Women FA Cup third round game against Watford. Uh, I think it's it's on Saturday, um, and it's on the Wolves. TV um, system, system. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's it's online. Go watch it. Go support them. Um, big thanks once again to our sponsors, Pixel Yeti Media. Make sure you check out um, their website. Any marketing needs, any website needs, go hit them up. Um, on that, I think that wraps it up for today's episode. Uh, so big thanks t- for joining us. Uh, it's goodbye from Stu. Beware of pelicans. Tra. It's goodbye from Matt. Take it easy, guys. Look after yourselves. It's goodbye from Jordan. Bye. Up the walls and up the walls, women. And it's goodbye from me. See you next time. renting furniture with feather looks like pieces that fit your style and your space and cost less than your monthly phone bill oh and did we mention delivery and assembly included feather start renting at livefeather.com